Hello, everyone. This is Chapter 21, Absolute Power in the Aristocratic Style. We're looking at the absolute monarch who was Louis XIV of the time. He was the monarch of France. He brought about this position of political and military dominance among the European nation states. What he did was he challenged the power of the nobility and the church as he made basically the centralizing authority uh, for himself. And under his leadership, he had this love. Um, he developed art artistic um, patronage for basically the arts and architecture. And so he shifted um, the ideas that were in Italy. He, he basically brought them to France. And so one of the things that um, he put dominance on, he basically, he used the French treasury to, to basically um, take care of his own whims and desires. And he was extremely extravagant and left France in a very, very uh, terrible debt type of financial condition. But what um, Louis XIV did was he moved um, the capital of um, France's um, state to Versailles where he developed or had architects and uh, different um, artists make him this huge um, mansion, if you will. And so it, it was a combination of Greco-Roman material and um, it was very luxurious, very grandiose. And one thing I want to point out is that um, this brought on the notion of the French royal authority about dealing with aristocratic elitism. He just believed that he and his court were better than the other people uh, around um, the nation of France. He was, as I mentioned earlier, he was a um, eccentric in fashion and manners. And he definitely, um, again, looked at the arts and he uh, had favorites as far as who he wanted to appoint to, I mean, that he delegated, that he wanted to um, construct these various art forms. So we look at Spain briefly, there is this person by the name of Diego Velasquez, who was a court painter to King Philip the the fourth, and he became the country's most prestigious artist. One of the things that uh, Velasquez did was he had these aristocratic portraits that conveyed the powerful essence of real objects in atmospheric space. Then you have um, this Flemish painter by the name of Peter Paul Rubens, who established his reputation in the courts of Europe. He was the court painter to King Charles I of England, and Anthony Van Dyke produced elegant, idealized portraits of his aristocratic patrons. In regards to music and dance at the court of Louis XIV, again, um, Versailles was um, his centralized place of his residence, and he set the setting for music, theater, and dance, and he developed more entertainment for state dinners, balls, operatic performances. He himself, he was trying to you know, be a part of the art experience. Um, there was this director by the name of Jean-Baptiste Lully who headed the French Academy of Music. Lully introduced to opera the what's called the French Overture. And under his leadership, the French opera also developed its most characteristic feature, the inclusion of formal dance. Um, one last thing about King Louis XIV uh, that was significant was um, he developed or birthed professional dance and the transformation of court dance into an independent art form. So anyone who may be, you know, who have a love for dance, this is one of the originators or one he aspired 
to have developed. If we look quickly at 17th century French literature, you have Francois de la Rochefoucauld, who wrote maxims that reflect the self-interest of hypocrisy and greed of human beings, particularly those of the aristocrats. There is also this person by the name of um, Molaire, who was the leading comic playwright. And he basically brought to life the comic foibles of stock characters as the miser, the hypochondriac, the hypocrite, the misanthrope, and the would-be gentleman. He learned much from what's called Camille d'Art, um, which is from Italy, deals with um, incorporated buffoonery, slapstick humor, and pantomime, if you're familiar with that. Um, quickly, we look at the absolute power in the aristocratic style beyond Europe. In Southwest Asia, you have the Ottoman Sultan um, Empire of Suleiman established a pattern of princely patronage that was imitated by Muslim rulers of at least two centuries. Suleiman is spelled S-U-L-E-I-M-A-N. You have the Persian Shah Abbas and the Mughal rulers of India who are great patrons of the arts, and they commissioned some of the most magnificent monuments in architectural history. Like Versailles in France, the Imperial Mosque in Isfahan and the Red Fort in Old Delhi and the Taj Mahal, which some of you may be familiar with in India, in Agra, are all epitomized about wealth, absolute authority, and artistic vision of a privileged minority. The absolute power and the aristocratic style in China, you have this complex art at the Forbidden City in Beijing, which stands as a symbol of absolutism of China's Ming and Qing emperors. The, emperor, um, the imperial patronage of the art supported the production of porcelain, which was called cloisonné. It's brocade and woven textiles, many of which found their way to Europe. Under the emperor Gangji, China's literary and historical writings were compiled and anthologized. Chinese fiction in the form of the novel and Chinese opera appealed to a growing number of the public. And lastly, if we look at the aristocratic style in Japan, the Togugawa dynasty created a unified central state over which the shogun assumed political and economic control. After 1630, the Japanese basically um, forced the foreigners to uh, leave um, their country because they wanted you know, purity in their particular country. So what the Japanese did, one of their styles, is they have multi-paneled screens, painted scrolls, lacquerware, and ceramics. Um, the, that decorate the tradition of the arts, which became more sophisticated and more refined. There have these woodcuts that were popularized the pleasures of Edo's floating world and celebrate the actors of Japan's popular kabuki plays. One quick thing I want to mention is tea and the etiquette of tea drinking associated with Zen Buddhist culture came to define the Japanese way of life. And the verse form known as haiku reflects the controlled simplicity of Zen expression. Thank you so much.